You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 364 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm usually here, as regular listeners will know, with the wonderful Gina Militia. And if you have been a regular listener, the last couple of episodes, we've been going without Gina and I have been flying solo because she's had laryngitis and she is getting back to normal. In fact, I'm pretty sure she will be back with us in the next episode because she's actually sounding a lot better and uh, pretty good actually, but you know, I think she wants to be 100% and so I'm sure she'll be back with us in the next episode. So in this episode, we're going to share more amazing tips from the masters of photography that we've interviewed over the last six years. We've curated some fantastic tips, but I thought I'd mention something first because it is September and uh, I just recently bought the September issue of Vogue. Now, many people will know, and some people may not know, that the September issue of Vogue is traditionally the biggest issue of Vogue, and it's a must-have generally, Um, and it has been a must-have certainly for the past couple of decades because it has the most pictures. (laughs) It's also got the most editorial. I mean, it's got the most, it's got the most pages. So I love buying it because I love seeing just the creativity and the ideas. They usually throw their best ideas at it. Uh, and this, this is generally vogue in whatever country that you're, um, that you're living in, you know, your particular country's edition of vogue. And that brings me to a recommendation that I have, because if you haven't already seen it, now it was made in 2009, I think, but it is still something that's worth watching. And that is the documentary called The September Issue. And it is about the September issue of Vogue that year and how they put that issue together. And what it does is that it goes behind the scenes at the offices and and uh, photo shoots and story meetings and editorial decisions um, and fashion shoots of Vogue and how they put together their September issue. And it's absolutely a fascinating look into how all these decisions are made into what goes into the issue. It's a fascinating look at the kind of power that a magazine like Vogue holds. 
a fascinating look into the relationship between the fashion editors and, you know, editors generally at Vogue and the photographers. And it's so interesting to see how much collaboration there is and how much direction there is um, and how they feed off each other. And, you know, the triumphs and disappointments of some of the um, photographers and stylists on what ultimately gets chosen on the page. But also it's really a fascinating look at how they conceive of the editorial stories and how they then decide they're going to photograph them, all of the nuts and bolts that not just the technical aspects, but, you know, the styling, the sets, the ideas, the casting and so on. So yeah, the September issue of Vogue, I'm pretty sure it's available on some streaming service somewhere in your country. So just search for it because it was in 2009. But yeah, if you haven't yet seen it, it's definitely worth a look if you are interested in photography in the magazine world. Absolutely uh, interesting fly on the wall shot. Also this week, I have been loving chatting to members of our gold community. I'm a big believer that creatives can make money from their passion and that's what I'm all about. I love empowering creatives, whether they're writers or artists or photographers or makers or whatever, uh, to make money from their passion because I think it's absolutely possible. I really, really believe in the mantra, do what you love and the money will follow. Now, admittedly, it may not follow overnight or tomorrow, but it will follow if you put in some structures in place and if you approach your creativity and you approach your output with a little bit of a business eye. And I love chatting to people about that. So it's been great to chat to a lot of the members about about this, a lot of the members of the gold community about this. So there's these little tweaks that you can make, tweaks to your bio, tweaks to your website, tweaks with to your mindset, tweaks to the way you approach you know, your pricing or, or your workflow that really help in taking you to the next level when it comes to making money. Now, if you're interested in finding a little bit more about the gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the gold community. If you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the gold community over at genomilitia.com, I asked Jenny Paul why she joined. My main uh, interest was to uh, have access to you. I just like wait with bated breath to see, you know, what's Gina going to think about this? What's Gina going to think about this? Or I got to show this to Gina. I do love the community aspect. Uh, VJ Brito, I think, is working on headshots and I'm like learning so much from all of his shoots that he does and getting to see like behind the scenes how he set it up. I also love to have access to your tutorial tutorials and I watched those over and over and over like finally I was like okay I think I got this and I went and tried it and there's always new stuff and that's really exciting and just keeps my uh, interest flowing. I have so much confidence. I have been doing paid gigs. Now I understand things way better and like I'm critiquing my own work. (laughs) I would definitely recommend the gold community. How cool is that that we can you know, tap into all of your experiences and all the wisdom you've gained from all your years of doing this. And and you're so humble with just the genuine nature of your help with the gold community. I love it. I love it. <laughs> 
If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, head to GinaMilitia.com and click on Memberships. All right, so in this particular episode, we're going to hear from a variety of different photographers. We chat to Sean Tucker about selecting authentic subject matter that is meaningful to the photographer and why seeking honest critiques and ignoring social media praise is a game changer. We also chat to street photographer Julia Coddington on how to get close to people in street photography and by close, we mean uncomfortably close. Now, I actually admire, I'm in awe of people who can do this, and Gina can do this, but I certainly can't um, because it takes guts. But, uh, you know, as Gina will also explain, um, it, it just takes practice as well to get used to it. I'm certainly not used to it used to it yet. There's also Joel Grimes who shares an inspiring story about dealing with rejection and how he nearly let an art director steal his dream of becoming a world-class advertising photographer. This advice could change your life. Anyway, we're going to start with Sean Tucker. Now, you can also listen to the full episode of Sean, uh, with Sean in episode 219 called Finding Your Authentic Photography Style with our guest, Sean Tucker. But Sean is a storyteller. He's really into photography and filmmaking, and he uses it to tell great stories. So he's done that for individuals, NGOs, multinationals, traveled to heaps of countries, and has, he's also helped companies set up their own studios and create systems for their own photography so that they can produce their own content. Now, he also has a YouTube channel of over 150,000 subscribers, so he gets to share his photography journey that way as well. So here is Sean Tucker. I took a trip to Namibia last year. Mm. Um, and shot uh, portraits with the Himba tribe. And it really, for me, was just a case of, um, I just need to try and do this, you know, and, and, and see what happens. And I, I produced some images which I was, I was happy with, but then I came back and I went and got them printed with a, um, a printing house here in uh, London called Genesis Imaging. And the creative director there I mean, he does printing for a lot of the Magnum guys, so he's, yeah. he really knows his stuff. And this was one of those learning curves for me is I, I kind of, in the back of my mind, this is my ego going, I, I think I think he might quite like these images and he'll have some complimentary stuff to say. Yeah. And so he printed these three images for me and he, and I said, do you do you have any feedback? And he says, yeah, I don't care about them. Oh. And I, and I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and he wasn't, he wasn't unkind about them. No. I mean, I know it sounds unkind, but he was just, um, he said, they're technically good photographs and they're interesting people, but I just don't care about these photographs. And, wow. and as I sat with that for a month, I, I kind of, I, I realized he was 100% right. And, and I knew I knew what he was saying before I, before he said it, I knew it, you know, it was one of those, it was a confirmation I didn't want to admit to myself. And then in December last year, I went back to South Africa um, for a really, really simple project. I thought, I'm not going to try to be fancy with this. I'm going to get very, very simple. I thought I'm going to take one little light. Um, I had a little Godox 8200 I heard on a podcast. You're using that as yeah. well, which yeah. I love. Them. I think yeah. As a travel light, it's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. 
um, and um, took it just as a little sort of pop-up beauty dish and a, and a pop-up black background. And I went and shot three people who were mentors to me through yeah. the years. Um, sort of uh, older men who kind of guided me. I, I grew up without a dad. And these these people were people who sort of jumped in that gap for me at different times in my life. And the, the images are very, very simple in terms of how they're shot. But they mean so much more. And they're stronger photographs than those ones I did with the tribe. I know exactly that, the photos you're talking about and why aren't right. they in my show notes, Sean? Why uh, haven't you sent them? You gonna, can you send me those photos? Because yeah, of course, yeah, exactly. those photos are why I got in touch with you. Right, okay. And, and that, they that to me... spoke to me. I cared about those photos, Sean. Yeah. but And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I on the front end of it, trying to be – Trying to be um, Salgado or Joey mm. L's personal stuff or, or Steve McCurry in almost a cheap way, going, oh, well, I just go find a tribe of interesting looking yeah. people. But then the photo is interesting because they're an interesting looking person, not because I'm a good photographer and I'm almost cheating. But this was like going to people who who aren't interesting looking people in their day to day lives, but they mean something to me. So it's easier for the portrait to tell a story that's personal yes. to me. And that, that was such an, a learning curve for me. So now I have a project lined up, which is sort of a mix of, and it's going to be a long-term project, probably sort of three, four, five years, I would imagine, where I'm, uh, it's going to be a mix of portrait work, but also to do with the church as well, because it's yeah. personal to me. Yeah. And where the church is at in this country, in the UK, and, uh, and all things which are connected to me and, and shot very simply. Um, and I'm kind of fleshing that out at the moment. And I, and I learned a valuable lesson. You know, you, 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 and it's not that that trip to Namibia was a waste. It was an absolutely necessary step. And it's not that the images are bad or I hate them or no. anything like that. It was, it, I had to learn a very valuable lesson about what meaningful work means and what I have to say as a photogra photographer, not just being technical for photographs, but being combined with who I am as a human being and my experience and what I might have to say coming out of that, if that well, makes sense. It's, um, it's authenticity, you know. It's, it's, you're telling a story that, that, that means something to you and there's, there's a difference in the Im images. Like you can see the um, tech per technically perfect image, everything is amazing, or amazing yeah. location, amazing person, take the photo, yeah. there's, um, there's a disconnect because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're not in that photo. But when you take mm -hmm. took those beautiful, honestly, they're beautiful photos, um, those portraits of those three mentors in your life, they mm. ooze so much. Um, there's almost like love coming out of those pixels and uh, your admiration uh, thanks, yeah. shows and they moved me. I cared about them as that, like, I love that quote now. I'm going to have topped it. <laughs> what, what, what a way to um, throw shade. What did he say? Again, I love it so much. I need to like, remember it. Well, he said they're technically nice pictures. I just don't care about them. Yeah, it's yeah. so harsh. That hurt. But, but, but you I mean, needed to hear valuable, that. What, because, what a valuable lesson. Yeah. So imagine, imagine if he turned around and he just told you what you wanted to hear. Yeah, man, these are amazing. They look just like Joey L, only better. Great. What would you have well, done? Well, Probably continued well, on. And and that's the problem with like people who are starting in photography or, or, or sort of middling photographers by now. You have to be really careful where you get your feedback from. Because if your mates are just telling you the whole time how good you are 
or people who don't know and don't understand photography are constantly complimenting you. I mean, if you sit on social media, yep. it's a constant barrage of you're amazing. Yeah. Like you, you can't take that seriously. No. You have to go and find people who are willing to tell you you're rubbish and, and why not just to be unkind or because they're threatened with their own work, but because they, they're totally unthreatened by you and they're willing to tell you to help you like this. This isn't great. You know, I mean, as difficult as that is to hear the people who, who you need to hear that from it, that could be a game changer for your photography. If you can hear it, you know, next up we have Julia Coddington. Now one of Julia's major ongoing projects is called the pool, which explores an ocean pool in her hometown, South of Sydney and images from the pool were selected as finalists in a whole heap of different photography festivals and exhibitions and contests, so it's definitely worth checking out. The full episode with Julia is in episode 216, but here is the clip that we thought was relevant today. Now, your, your style, you are so close, uh, like – from when I'm looking at your image, I'm like, you're right on top of people. You're right next to them. You you shoot uh, very wide, so you need to yep. be close to fill the frame. That that's that right. that style. You you don't just pick up a camera and walk up and uh, a couple of millimeters from someone. How how did that evolve for you? Like, did did you just did you start shooting further back and then? look at the images and go, I need to be closer. Like what's the thought yeah, process? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I did start further back and then just got closer and closer. And, and that was a result of doing the workshops. I did some workshops with Mutche Duckowitz, who's a Polish street photographer mm. who does workshops throughout Asia. Right. And he, um, through doing those workshops, I learned how to get closer and closer. So that, that's part of it. But also, so I shoot really wide. I use 28 mil equivalent and a 21 mil equivalent. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping when Fuji makes their new, um, releases their new 16 mil lens, I'll get that too. So <laughs> I wish they would, I wish they would um, put out a new 18 mil. Right. But anyway, that's a different story. But... <laughs> Um, so, so, you know, by doing those workshops, I learned how to get closer, but it's also gaining confidence. It's all about confidence yeah. and, and learning to, um, and, and realizing that people don't really, they don't really pay attention to you, well, particularly me, because I'm, I'm small, I'm a middle-aged woman, you know, people don't really see me. I'm but- I become invisible. Yeah, let's talk about that invisibility because <laughs> um, you, you say that um, uh, one of the advantages for you being a woman in your 50s is that, you know, people just don't notice you and they're not expecting you to be there taking photos. And you can see the, the, the flip side of that is the photographer that struts around with five cameras hanging off them and three assistants. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're going to draw attention. But so here you are, uh, you know, the, like, so when you're at the pool, and you've mm-hmm. got your camera. Yeah. Are you in your cosy as well? Are you in your swimsuit, or are you? No. Uh, 
Right. No, so just, are you I have, just? I don't have my shoe. I don't have my. I just. I'm in bare feet. Yes. Um. I get right in into the water. Um. Right. I have my hat hat on. And yeah. Sunnies. My, my. No. I wear glasses. So. Right. I I just have my hat over my yep. my glasses. So. And my secret weapon is my Fuji X70 with its little touch screen. Right. So I've got a very small, discreet camera. Yeah. And so, and I, I zone focus. So I set the focal um, length. So that's about one point two meters. So right. you know I can get everything or well, most most things sort of in focus at a fairly close distance. So that um, allows you to shoot from the hip or lower down. You seems yeah, like you're so shoot shooting from, from the down. ankle so sometimes. Through, yeah, well, I am. Yeah, I'm right down at their feet. Yeah. So there's a photo that I took of. I call it the shadow hand. It's yeah. A, it's a shadow on on the wall of the pool. Yes. And I was literally crouched down beside the woman, like at her feet. Yeah. And and. They kept talking, waving their hands around, just completely oblivious. And what I do is I just pretend I'm taking photos of, you know, the the reflections in the water or, you know, the little creatures that are around in, in the rocks. So that they think that I'm this crazy woman taking photos, close-up photos of things in the water. Right. They don't – they're not really aware that I'm – of what I'm taking sometimes the the locals know me now so they and they see my photos on Instagram so they right. and they um they know what I'm doing um and they're fine with it and um they think they think it's really kind of cute and interesting <laughs> cute <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I'm just there with my hat on no one can that no one pays attention to me and it's it's just the best feeling, you know, actually becoming invisible. Yeah. The other thing that the other advantage is that when people go to the pool, and you'll know this when you go for a swim, you don't really care about what's around you. You know, you're more conscious of yourself being in a swimsuit. Yeah. And you're conscious of the sensations as you get into the water. And that's what you're focused on. You right. don't really, you know, you're not paying attention to anything else. You're just focused on how cold is the water going to be, you know. Yeah. Um, so they're not even noticing you. There's the, no. there's this this woman in the water clicking away, and uh, yeah, the, 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 the really people are a, completely. The, there's a a beautiful uh, quote that you uh, it, it, from your about me where you say street photography for me is like an addiction, and with any mm-hmm. addiction there are highs and lows. It's also mm-hmm. about inserting yourself into a situation and becoming invisible, observing mm-hmm. people, their interactions, shapes, movements, colors, light, and shadows. It's about seeing these things and capturing them. What I love most is to lose myself in my invisibility and meld into the scene, which is like it it, it appears like you do have this little invisibility cloak. And that secret weapon for you is having the confidence to know that people are in their own little world. That's right. Yep. And that's what, you know, I do tell our students that as well. 
is just to realize that people are in their own little world and take and to take advantage of that. So that overcoming that fear and uh, getting sort of uh, more confident in getting closer to, I, I mean, the only way I can relate to that is like when I was about nine, I went through a little kleptomania stage where the local <laughs> the local milk bar, uh, one of my friends said, you can steal, they won't know, they don't watch. And so encouraged me to, I think I stole like and a Fredo. And they didn't have security cameras no, no. either. So, so I stole a Fredo frog and uh, thought I'm going to hell, that's it, you know, <laughs> And but I got away with it. But you know, for the next day, I expected the police to knock on my door, but I got away with it. Yeah. And then I said, All right, Th- that gave me confidence to go back a couple of days later and have another crack. And, and do I it think, again. Yeah, yeah, I think I did it a few more times. And each time I became a little bit more brazen, which with, with what I would take, and and uh, you know, that confidence increased until I got caught, Julia. I got yeah. caught. <laughs> And it was humiliating because the man <laughs> then, you know, told the school. My father had to come to the school and it, wa- it wasn't pretty. So no. that was the end <laughs> of my life of crime. <laughs> Have you – obviously you've been busted and what oh, does yeah. it – because this is, I think, the greatest fear of all photographers and whether it's doing street photography or approaching a stranger to take the photo, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? And what happens when you get caught? What happens when you get caught? So the other day oh, – a couple of weeks ago I was in, um, in the city, in the Pitt Street Mall. Yeah. And – um, I, I get up really close to people. They're, they're how watching clo- just performances How close in the are you in terms of like what's the measurement? Uh, uh, probably about um, a foot and a half away from them. That's not – that's so close. Yeah, so that's pretty, pretty that's close. close. Yeah, are you an introvert but, as well? Sorry? Are you an introvert? Uh, I'm a little bit shy. Shy? Yeah. Mm. So does that yeah, do you I'm, not feel not uncomfortable being that or do you just feel like I've got my invisibility cloak on is it like me with the klepto phase you just haven't been caught properly yet that you'll Oh well no as I was about to say I did get caught but I I was I was um there was a guy there with his kids and in in a pram and he thought I was taking photos of them. I actually wasn't. It was really funny because oh. I wasn't taking photos of the kids because I'm a bit wary of taking photos of kids with particular people. You know, you can tell you can tell which people to steer clear of. That's interesting. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, um, he came up to me and he said, "Did you take a photo of my kid?" And I said, "No," which was a, which was the truth. Yes. And he said. It's illegal to take photos of, of children. And I said, no, it's not, no, it's not illegal in the state of New South Wales. If you're in a public place, you can take photos. And he kept saying that it was illegal. It was illegal. And I kept saying, no, you need to Google it and check, <laughs> the, um, check the law. And it is perfectly legal to take photos of anything or anybody in a public place. 
Right. And he was becoming quite aggressive and, and he was coming closer and closer to me. Ooh. He was a lot taller than me, obviously, like most people are. <sighs> and I get and I continued to get closer and closer to him. Really? And yep. And we because, you know, people who are taller than me like to stand over me because right. I'm short. And so yep. I was doing the op, I was trying to counter that by yeah. getting closer and closer to him and because he was threatening me. And so I just got really close so that I was all, I was touching his body. Wow. And I said, no, you are incorrect. And, and he said, I'll call the police. And I said, you go ahead, you call the police. And then, um, I, you know, I don't usually like to confront people. I like to tell them what I'm doing, that mm. I'm a street photographer and this is, you know, what I'm doing is important. And, and it's a form of art, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Um, but he was quite threatening. And so this is the way I dealt with it. And um, and it worked. And he backed off. Wow. So, mm. so you stood your ground? You got the confidence? Did, you know I, what's right? I stood my ground. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. And if you know what's right and you have the confidence and you feel that what you're doing is important, which I do, yeah. Um, then you know, you don't need to feel afraid. And you are fearless. Um, in I, I have become um, fearless. Yeah. Next is Joel Grimes. Many of you will be familiar with Joel Grimes. He's been one of Canon's exclusive explorer of light photographers and has also been selected by Adobe as one of their Photoshop feature artists. He's been around for ages, um, for over 30 years. He's worked for many of the top advertising agencies and corporations. His work takes him traveling around the world and he's also produced fantastic books and print exhibitions as well. He's based in Phoenix, Arizona, and if you would like to listen to the whole episode, that was episode 210. So now here is Joel Grimes. There's a theme. There's a theme, Joel, that runs through your life, and I think it's common to all successful artists, and that's like um, you you get knocked down seven times and you you, you get up on the eighth and and so like you've got this passion and curiosity and this childlike sense of wonder i just i know we've gone into the um self assignments there's one story that you you've told that i would love our listeners to hear and that is about uh, again and it's on this theme like when you when you first broke into commercial advertising and you took your folio out and you took it to the the first art director. You weren't you weren't um, welcomed with open arms, were you? What was that first experience like? And what was the you, advice of your friend Steve that also yeah. changed your life? Well, you would have to bring that up, huh? I, well, I think it's the best and most <laughs> no, inspiring just, story I, you've ever told, Joel. I think it's I amazing. I, I, I'm I'm joking when I say that yeah. because. It was an extremely emotional dejection and rejection and whatever you want to call it. But yes. basically, um, it, it, the story goes like this. And, you know, I'm, I'm buddying up with a guy. We went to Denver, Colorado to start to chase our dream, right, 
to be photographers. And and uh, we worked on our portfolios together. We got this really cool kind of a, a, a case you put them in. It was custom made. And we had these boards that had our names embossed on, you know, Joel Grimes. And I was so excited. And I and we had our, our, our images were uh, duped. They were in a, take a lab. You take a 35 millimeter or medium format and you dupe it up to like an eight by 10 transparency, which cost, you know, like, at the time, maybe 30 bucks, which was like, I think my car, my car cost a hundred bucks, you know, <laughs> it's like, it was, they were very expensive. And so, you know, we were all excited. We got the book together. I finally got my first portfolio and it was a creative director at this big agency. And I didn't know what a creative director was. Um, I didn't know the difference between a creative director or an art director, but so I got in there and before on the phone, I had said that I had just moved to Denver and I had just graduated. And that's more information you're supposed to give, you know, when you go on cold calls, don't give a lot of information. Uh, right. But, but anyway, um, so I walked in, he looked at the first, you know, board, whatever he, he said, why'd you move to Denver? And I said, oh, you know, uh, the beautiful mountains or whatever. And he's like, he looks at the second board and he says, well, do you know how many photographers uh, have a business license in the Denver County? And I said, no. He said, over 2,000. So what he was telling me was that there was a lot of competition, young man. And why do you think you can make it, you know, kind of, uh, you know, whatever. And then he got to the fourth board and he said, I got some advice for you. And I'm like, what? He said, I think you should move back to Tucson. And I remember I had 35 boards. I scooped them all up, put them in the case, walked out, and I hit that pavement, and I had a lump in my throat and yeah. my eyes. And I got in my little Volkswagen van, and I it was only about a four- or five-minute drive to back to the studio, and I was just dejected. I, I would, the whole way I was driving, I said, I'm done. I can't do this. I'm you know, and my dad was a fireman. He ended up fire chief of Tucson. I had two brothers that were firemen. And my dad always said, son, you know, you should be a fireman. It's a secure job, you know. And I, my, my, my line was always, dad, I'm, I'm going to go chase my dream. Yeah. And so that dream shattered. <laughs> 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 and I walked in the studio. My friend Steve looks at me and he's like, how to go? And I think he could tell because yeah. my eyes. I'm still red. And I said to Steve, I'm done. I can't do this. That was a disaster. And I'm heading back to Tucson. And he looked at me and uh, it was just the absolute most brilliant thing someone could say. And he said, you're going to let one person steal your dream. I love that. And I, and I said, yes. And he kept repeating it. You're going to let one person steal your dream. And I go, I know it sounds crazy. And he kept saying it. You're going to let one person steal your dream. Well, luckily he rescued me and I stayed. And um, there's the beauty of having someone that understands the industry and the wisdom to not let you sneak away and give up. And you and you and crack we, the code, did you, like so. From there, what's um, how many how many times did you show your portfolio before someone said, "Hey, I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you a, a break here." How many times? Well, here's the interesting side thing of that story. Um, so I was out. I didn't have. I was not a portrait photographer at that time. Mm. 
So I was a shooting architecture and I had, I got my first job was a golf course doing some pictures for the golf course. And then, um, you know, I mean, I had a few jobs and so, so barely, barely eating. I mean, when I say barely eating, I mean, we were pretty much starving and, um, a year went by. I know this is the craziest story. I'm telling you, this is, it gets better. A year went by and my friend Steve says to me, you got to go back to that agency that almost stole the drink. And I said, yes, with a brick and a note <laughs> tied to that brick. <laughs> and I remember driving past that building and my blood pressure and my, I'd start to sweat, you know, and I'd get that emotions of rejection all over again. And um, so, so he said, no, it's like, you know, when you fall off a horse, you got to get back on that yeah. horse. And he said, you got to go back. And I, and I was like, just to, whatever. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I called up, I got an art director this time and I, I called her like six times. She kept putting me off, put me off, put me off. But I, by then I'd learned how to do, I call the power of eight. Um, I just kept pounding people. But anyways. Did you just explain the power of eight for, for those who are don't, don't, not aware of it? The well, power of eight is um, you get your name into the brain of the person you want to hire you. So you send you send a packet out and then you make a phone call and then you send a packet out and you make what, a phone call. So so what's usually in the packet, you, what's in the packet? Uh, chocolate well, like, cookies you know, or, or your images? Or, <laughs> your images, like right. a, little, a, a little nice little promo that's got, you know, handmade, usually it's handmade, very delicate, beautiful. And it's, you know, not too expensive. It's like maybe $10 it costs you to put it together. Yeah. And then, you gotta, you know, put a stamp on it, get it, there, get it to them. And then you make the phone call. And then they, 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 they usually, today you just get voicemail. So I just leave a voicemail, say, hey, this is Joel Grimes. I sent you a little packet and I just want to, you know, meet you in person and, Talk about your needs in photography. And again, here's my name and phone number. So it's called the power of eight. By the time you get eight of those in front of them, your name gets in their brain. And when you get their name, your name in their brain, your credibility goes up. Now, it's a phenomenal thing. They've done a lot of tests on this. And so, so this is advertising really in a nutshell. But what happens is, is when someone has to make a choice, right, between product A, product B, so Pepsi and Coca-Cola, right? Mm. And, um, when when that Coca-Cola, which are they're the masters of marketing, when they get Coca-Cola in your brain and then you go to the store to make a choice, you usually go, well, Coca-Cola is much better than Pepsi because it's in there somehow. How did they get in there? You don't even know. Yeah. It's in your brain. So when it comes to photographers, you know, the 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 art buyer, art director or somebody that's making a decision, they go Joel Grimes, uh, he's in there somehow. I don't know how he got in there, but he must be really good, right? And so I always say that that getting my name in the brain of the right person is a thousand times more important than how good my photography is. Right. So anyway, I, I kept calling this lady, kept calling her. Finally, she's like, no, you're not going to give up. So she, she has me come in and I get in that building. I'm like literally sweating. You know, it's probably, you know, cold winter time, but I'm sweating, you know, because it's bringing back all these memories. But what happened was, I went down, we, we sat down in this conference room and I looked at, I showed my portfolio and I had all architecture stuff and, you know, no people. And she says to me, she says, you know, I need a mom, dad, two kids on a couch inside of an interior. We have a client that, that builds beautiful homes and I need this like kind of like a 
architecture shoot, but with a mom and dad and two kids sitting on a couch. Do you think you could do that? And I go, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I didn't know anything about strokes, yeah. right? And and she says, I'm gonna give you a shot. And so she she you know sets it up, and I go back to my friend Steve. Help! I need to know how to shoot. <laughs> and so um, he kind of you know gave me a little bit of uh, coaching, and then I did that shoot, and I'm setting up. I had a medium format. It was the Mamiya RB, and I'm I'm setting everything up. And I'm trying to put the Polaroid back onto the camera. And as I'm getting the, just as I'm starting to get, it's kind of a hard little thing to yeah. get lined up yeah. down there. And just as I'm trying to get the, to put that on, I hear this voice. And it was that creative director. Oh, no. <laughs> showed up. He the one that up. rejected he, you. Yeah. He shows <laughs> up and he says, oh, what's going on here? And I'm like, look up and I see him. And oh, my gosh. Oh. I thought I was <laughs> pee my pants and I was trying to get that back on and I couldn't I was shaking so hard right and he comes over and he 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 looks at me he says I'm Franz Cannell what's your name who are you and I said oh I'm the photographer Joel Grimes and he says have we ever met before and I said not that I can remember (laughs) (laughs) well so here's the funny thing they gave me 15 ads wow. completely on that campaign. Wow. The, the ad agency that almost stole my dream launched my people career. That's amazing. And he didn't even remember you. So you just got him on a bad day, right? Well, so here's the end of the story. 18 years later, I had moved away from Denver. I moved to Tucson. I was shooting national ad campaigns everywhere. And I went back to Denver. We visited family and everything. And I went back to my lab that I'd always used. And I just wanted to say hi to all the people. And I'm standing at the counter and, he, and this guy walks in. And I had worked for that agency for 10 years. And he goes, Joel, how are you doing? I said, oh, great. And he says, I hear all these great things you're doing. And you have had an amazing career. And I said, oh, I got a story to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, you did me a favor 18 years ago. And he said, what? He said, yeah, you were the very first portfolio show I ever had. And he goes, I did? He goes, I don't don't remember that. I go, yeah, you told me to get out of photography. He goes, I did? (laughs) And I said, yeah, you did. And I was in tears and I almost quit. And I said, but I didn't let one person steal my dream. And he goes, I must have been having a bad day. And I said, well, yeah. But I said, you know, actually, you did me a huge favor. And he goes, how's that? And I said, well, you see, you rejected me to the point where I almost quit. And I had to make a decision. Was I willing to chase my dream and be, and be rejected and risk, risk the, the, you know, the chance of being rejected, rejected? And I had to say, yes, I'm willing to do that. And I said, you know what? It's never hurt. I've never had a rejection that hurt as much as the first one. Uh-huh. And I said, I got, you got it. You maybe get it out of the way. And so when you think about that story, it's really phenomenal because, you know, we look at that rejection as a, as a bad thing, but really became a good thing. And I've had some doozies since then. I mean, yeah. some really rude art directors that you just want to slap, you know, cause they're so stupid. Yeah. And, but I just walk out with a big old smile on my face and go, Ain't nothing like the first one, man. And <laughs> and so, um, you know, and and rejection is a guarantee. You can't avoid it. 
I don't care if you're Bill Gates' daughter or son or whatever, Paul McCartney's daughter or whatever, that, you know, in the real world, you're going to be rejected and it's going to hurt. And you've got to learn that you have to deal with that and move on and don't let it get to you. And it's just part of life. And so once you get that in your head, you go, eh, it's okay. You know, I got rejected. No big deal. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode where we've pulled together, where we've curated some of the best advice from the Masters of Photography, part two. If you haven't listened to part one, which was last episode, make sure you catch up on that as well. Like I said, I am 99.9999% sure that Gina will be back with us next week and uh, it'll be good to have her back because, you know, I miss our chats and I miss both of us bringing this podcast to you. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.